Hello and welcome to St Tom's Online. Please find this week's sermon. Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew chapter 7 verses 1 to 12. Glory to you, O Lord. The heading is Judging Others. Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way as you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be judged to you, measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. Ask, seek and knock. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who receives, he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Good morning and welcome to my sermon. I'd like to believe that there's a reason and a rhyme behind every action I take. That there's thought and meaning behind every word and every move. And therefore there is no way I can ever be called out for something that I can't back fully. Gary Stupple, who you should all know and love. Uh, Gary and I have some great chat about film and our love for film. And uh, every great film, the, the rhyme and the reason and the meaning and the thought behind everything is only ever revealed at the end. And in some of the even better films, it's never revealed and it's left to the viewer to interpret. And only the creator truly knows what the real meaning is. But I promise you now that everything I will say should make sense. So please stay with me for the next 10 minutes or so. And with the prologue out of the way, let's dive into scene one, interior church. Ethan's in the pulpit. Title. It's a valid question, but let's just squash those inevitable comments that will arise at first. The, we're not here to be liked, that's not our job as Christians comments. The, I only need God's approval comments. The people hate the truth comments. And people do hate the truth. For example, most of you, I kind of hope, will feel negatively towards the following sentence. People don't like Christians. And those of you who aren't even the tiniest bit hurt by that will argue, we're not here to be liked. We're here to save. To which I say yes and no. 
Most films in their production stage go by another name to avoid being leaked so easily to the public. And I think this sermon could very easily go by another name. The Golden Rule. Matthew chapter 12, verse 7. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. This verse has been given the title The Golden Rule of Christianity by... Well, actually, I don't know who by, but I have to slightly disagree with them because Jesus says almost the same thing in Mark 12, 31. He says, the second is this, love your neighbour as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Except here he says, the second is this. The first comes in the verses just before when he says, this is the most important. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbour as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. But yes, loving our neighbour as we do ourselves is one of the two golden rules because no other commandment is greater than these. All of you watching now are using Facebook, presumably, and those of you listening might be using SoundCloud or Spotify. But these are all forms of social media. Uh, Social media over the last decade and a half has become a platform where everyone in the world can voice their thoughts and opinions. Uh, Right now you can comment below and you can say, Hey Ethan, great sermon, keep it up. Or you could tell me I'm rubbish, tell me I'm terrible at this and that I'm a heretic. uh, Behind the relative comfort and safety of your screen, and I say relative because words do hurt spoken or typed. Forget sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me because they will. And I think you know they will. Um, And the hurt from words goes a lot deeper than bone, so. Social media has given a voice to people who never had a voice before. It's given a voice to every well-wisher and every supporter, but it's also given a voice to every doom and gloomer and every opponent. But it's equipped everybody with the opportunity to evangelise, even the unemployed. And on all these voice-giving platforms we have, have you ever seen or heard of Christians doing something mean, stupid or cruel? Some examples that stick out in my mind. Number one, racist Christian man on beach in America chases Mexicans, legal American citizens with Mexican heritage off the beach whilst waving an AK-47. An extreme example, I know, but an example nonetheless. Number two, the avalanche of child sexual abuse accusations in the last few decades surrounding church workers, including people in high places manipulating, harassing, and raping underage children, those with mental disabilities and co-workers. And a lot of these reports quite famously come from within the Catholic Church, And I know that some Christians will be of the opinion that those of the Catholic faith aren't real Christians. Well, either way, systematic racial and sexual abuse has been rife within the Church of England as well, hence the introduction of more intense DBS checks and safeguarding courses. And improving under Justin Welby, to be fair. Number three, I think there are always going to be uh, extremists in any religion, and I don't think I need to elaborate on that, but... For our third example, let's look at something a little less extreme. Uh, Online commenters. Again, both a blessing and a curse. We have in front of us a wonderful tool for helping us reunite lost sheep to their shepherd. 
But what sheep wants to return to a shepherd who they're told does not accept who they are? I've seen hundreds of thousands of YouTube videos and Facebook posts with hundreds of thousands of comments, good and bad. Uh, and deep down in these comments, there are Christian comments. Christian comments attacking people for their life views, their opinions, their faith, and even their own walks with God. I found a list written by a Mr. Tony Morgan titled, 10 Reasons I Don't Like Christians. Number one, they consistently seem angry and bitter and worried. Certainly true of many internet Christians. Number two, they don't dream big. I kind of disagree with this one for, for one thing, who are we to determine the size of another person's dream relative to our own and what they feel God has called them to. Number three, they seem to worship their theology more than Jesus. Definitely seen that in action. The most obvious example is coming from America, but it is prevalent on home soil as well. Number four, they don't like it when other people or ministries experience success. Jealousy is hard to avoid wherever you are, whatever you do. Number five, they use prayer as an excuse for inaction. Yes and no, the power of prayer can be more powerful than anything any of us could do alone, but how many times do you see someone say thoughts and prayers without any meaning or conviction to actually pray? Number six, they're more concerned with the BMW next door than the person driving it. I get what they're saying, but that's a person-to-person -person thing, not Christians generally. Uh, number seven, they would rather people live life without Jesus than give up their personal preferences. Well, we know that's a true one. When you're unable to hear your favourite speaker, worship, or even something as little as not liking the music, people walk. Number eight, they are fake. They dress up a certain way on a Sunday and they live as completely different people the rest of the week. Again, that's very personal rather than all Christians everywhere, but it's something that uh, is easily recognised and I'm sure that everyone listening can think of a few examples of people perhaps not keeping complete integrity to themselves. But also remember to remove the plank from your own eye before removing the specks of others. Number nine, they think they're better than other people. And I can understand where that uh, thought comes from towards Christians. And number ten, they're comfortable with mediocrity. Uh, but again, who are they to measure my standards and what I determine as mediocrity as opposed to them? Uh, but the point is not whether I agree or disagree with the maker of the list. The point is that there is a list. There is a long list of grievances against Christians. Would it be best for us to argue with the list or to listen to the complaints levelled against us and respond appropriately? Most shops or services will have somewhere you can write a suggestion or a complaint and they'll take the complaint, they'll read it and they'll respond. Shouldn't we do the same? Shouldn't we do something similar? Or is point number nine on the list right and we do think we're above everyone else? 1 John chapter 2 verse 6 says, Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked, him being Jesus. And Jesus walked in the streets with absolute scum of the earth at the time, tax collectors, prostitutes, life's biggest failures. Mahatma Gandhi once said, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. Now forget for a minute that Gandhi was an incredible racist and sexual predator towards African Americans and his niece respectively and take the comment on his own. He kind of had a point. How often do we see Christians in the news or on these social media platforms being so unlike our Christ? And it's hard to imagine Jesus on social media because obviously they weren't Snapchatting or vlogging anything back in 30 AD. 
so have to go on his interactions with people as recounted in the Bible. So whilst everyone else is able to say what they want on the internet without fear of any real punishment, I don't think Jesus would say anything online that he wouldn't say to someone's face. And I think that's something that people forget when scrolling through hours and hours worth of comments and videos and pictures. That every comment and video and picture has been made by another human being. And us human beings are an emotional lot. Even those who hide their emotions, they still have them. Just because you can't see something doesn't mean it's not there. If we believe that, then we wouldn't be here today. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 22, Paul writes, To the weak I became weak, to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. Paul, considered the greatest evangelist of all time, in order to win the weak, became weak. Now that doesn't mean he went out to the biblical time equivalent to boozy casinos and strip clubs and engaged in sinful activities. It means he matched people where they were at. He befriended them, he loved them, in the hope that he might save some of them. It's very simple, really. John chapter 14, 15 says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And one chapter later, verse 12, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And we already know that there is no more perfect love than God's. Christian author Carrie Newoff once wrote, Very few people get judged into life change. Far more get loved into it. If you ask a non-Christian what they most dislike about Christians, it won't take long before they say, I hate how much Christians are judgmental to other people. And a large number of Christians, for some reason, I've looked and I've looked all over, but I can't find where they get this from, argue that we are called to judge others. All I can find is verse after verse commanding us not to judge others. Matthew 7, Luke 6, 37, John 8, Luke 6, 31 to 36, James 4, 11 to 12. Do not judge or you too will be judged. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And the idea of hating the sin and not the sinner, that's great, right? But it's not love if you're constantly bashing them for their sin, especially when you know full well that you're just as much full of sin as they are. There's no sin scale balancing whose sins are worse, and if there was, you wouldn't be in charge of it. God would. And if you think I'm being hypocritical standing here and saying you're full of sin and you need to love people better, I include myself in that. I remember when I was in year one, so I would have been five, I told a boy who said something I didn't like, you're going to hell because you don't believe in God. I'm not sure my words were actually an attempt to bring him to God, and more just bragging rights that I had eternal life and he didn't. But you see that these naive and childish comments of a five-year-old child are more or less the same thing Christians are spewing out online. Um, adult Christians. There's no wonder people don't like us. But my main point is that for all of those trying too hard to use the internet to be fishers of men are failing because they're pushing people away from ever being comfortable to talk properly about God and God's love because of the lack of love they've received in the past. Ooh, all you need is love, that's a bit soppy, isn't it? Ooh, all you need is love, that's a bit soppy, isn't it? Yes, it is. I was watching a TV show the other day, 
comedy show. And one of the characters said, I was never one to hold a grudge. My father held grudges. I'll always hate him for it. I think that we naturally hold on to things we hear and things we're told, especially when they're cool criticisms of us. But also those perfect little moments when someone loves you, that sticks in your head. So to sum it all up and finally bring this thing to a close, be nice. Be nice to those who you disagree with, to those who look different to you, to those who think differently from you, those who wear things you don't like, who like things you don't like. And if you can't bring yourself to be nice, don't say anything. And I just want to add quickly that I'm speaking about Christians everywhere, like generally, including myself. So no one has been called out or targeted in particular, so if you do happen to feel targeted and called out, maybe have a think over your past interactions. Could you have been more loving? Be more loving. What is love? Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonour others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. For where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass. Love never fails. Love never fails. Roll credits.